hello, Career Nation. Welcome to the Deliver on Your Business podcast, where you are the boss. Each week, we talk about how to make the most of your business as an independent contractor, as a courier delivering for gig economy apps like Grubhub, DoorDash, Postmates, Uber Eats, and so many others. I think one of the most fascinating things to me when I started doing delivery was how intensely and fiercely loyal the Grubhub driver community was to Grubhub. To me, it was it, it was fascinating. I guess that's the best way that I could say it because, you know, here we are, here they were independent contractors. They were not employees, but they had the kind of loyalty that you usually only see in an employee environment. You know, people kind of thinking about Grubhub as we and people that would have nothing to do with any of the other platforms, it was just incredibly loyal. And uh, I was just like, how do you do that? How do they do that with independent contractors? Well, just as fascinating is how quickly that evaporated. I mean, within a matter of a couple of months, maybe, I saw that relationship with Grubhub drivers get to a point where it was not a whole lot different than I saw with any of the other platforms. How does that happen? You know, and that's, that's part of this bigger picture, I guess, of how does a company attract drivers? How does a company keep drivers loyal? And how do they do it without breaking the bank? I think part of the reason that that loyalty evaporated like it did had a lot to do with them changing their pay model. And they changed a number of other things about the way they did things that contributed to it. But I think money was part of what gained the loyalty and money's part of what lost them the loyalty. But in an environment where you have all four major platforms that are wildly unprofitable, you know, they're all leaking money like crazy. And they're all under intense pressure from stockholders or investors to start turning a profit you know, to, to get to a point where they're actually making more money than they're spending. Well, here's a problem for all of these companies is there's not a whole lot more money to be made. You know, they're, they, they get their money from the restaurants and they get their money from the customers. And there's not a whole lot more they can charge from either one of those. So how, and what that means for us is guys, the reality is you're not going to see increases in delivery fees. You're probably only going to see them go down. So how do they keep us interested if they're not going to pay us more money? Are there things that companies can do to attract drivers, but even more to the point to keep us from switching to another platform? Or is there anything that they can do to entice us to switch from wherever we're delivering to somebody else? How do you do that without spending more money? And that's kind of what the topic is today. Um, We're actually going to be talking with some guys that are doing research into this whole thing, into the whole topic of what are the things besides money that make a difference to us as, you know, delivery, as gig drivers, contractors, what are the things that are meaningful to us? And that's what they're studying. I came across this link in Facebook uh, about this survey being done and I thought, okay, I'll go ahead and do this. And 
you know, as I, as I read the questions and what they're looking at, I was just like really intrigued. And uh, so I had the contact information for Larry Saunders, who's uh, one of the instructors. It's uh, um, he's with the university of Tennessee in Knoxville and reached out to him. And I was just really pleased that he was willing to come in and uh, talk a little bit about the research. And uh, in fact, some of the rest of the folks that are working on it with him joined in. And so we had a nice little conversation. And for me, I mean, it, I was in hog heaven because I'm just that kind of a geek, you know, that I love talking about logistics and all of these different things. But it was a fascinating conversation, and I hope that you find it as interesting as I did. So with this, I'm just going to let uh, uh, let's get on over to uh, listen to the conversation and uh, talk about uh, some of the things that interest drivers. Well, Courier Nation, uh, kind of excited to have uh, run across these guys here, uh, come across the other day in a Facebook post uh, that uh, there was a survey being done of trying to get some perspectives of delivery drivers. And I just, of course, that right away caught my attention. And so I reached out to uh, Lance Saunders. He's with the University of Tennessee at Knoxville and uh, said, hey, I'd like to talk to you about that, find out a little bit more, see if we can find out what that is and see if we can kind of steer a few people over to that survey, but then also kind of learn a little bit about what they're trying to learn. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to be able to have a few guests here this morning. And uh, maybe, guys, I'll just let you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves and uh, kind of take it from there. Uh, sure. I'm Lance Saunders. I'm an assistant professor in, at the University of Tennessee in our Department of Supply Chain Management in the Haslam College of Business. Okay. I'm Vince Castillo. Uh, I'm an assistant professor of logistics in the Department of Marketing Logistics at The Ohio State University. Okay. And I'm Bill Rose. I'm an assistant professor of supply chain management in the Debbie and Jerry Ivy College of Business at Iowa State University. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, welcome, guys, and thank you for coming on and uh, I'm just kind of sharing a little bit of what you're doing. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Lincoln, Nebraska guy, so, uh, you know, I, I hear the Ohio State and I hear the Iowa State. And I'm like, ooh. <laughs> but, you know, I I lived in Iowa for a little while too. So it's kind of like a little sense of back home for me. But um, so you guys want to tell me a little bit about this survey that you're doing or this study and, uh, you know, let us know, I guess, first of all, what you're looking for from drivers and then uh, maybe what, uh, what you're trying to learn from this. Uh, sure. So um, we're, we, we've done, been doing some work and you looking at how crowdsource um, assets are kind of integrating and, integrate into logistics networks for the last few years between uh, the three of us and another colleague. And so, uh, and Vince and Bill can go into this in more depth because it involved their dissertations. But, uh, you know, a lot of times we've taken the perspective of the uh, company that is the one that has the network. And so one of the things that are, is, are great about these crowdsourced or gig assets is, you know, it's a great way um, to use them to make these last mile deliveries, but they're different than the traditional assets that you see in these logistics networks because I don't know how many trucks I'm going to have on a given day. And so what we're trying to understand is that perspective of the driver, because if we could reduce that variability and figure out how companies, and it doesn't even have to be the existing companies today. It could be companies that aren't, aren't even in this space, but want to get in this space to use for delivery, um, how they can get drivers in their ecosystem and more importantly, keep them in their ecosystem so they can reduce that variability. Uh, that's what we're really trying to get to is what drivers care about that make them choose certain companies over others. So basically, you know, and, and since this podcast and, and my website are really about delivery drivers, you know, 
ultimately that kind of becomes that question of um, how does Grubhub or how does DoorDash or Postmates or any of these companies get enough drivers to handle all of the deliveries? And, uh, you know, and, and, and especially because they're using independent contractors, um, we're not employees, they cannot set your schedule. You cannot, you really can't do much, you know, scheduling wise. Uh, Grubhub does a little bit and DoorDash does a little bit, almost more out of incentives. But yeah, I think that's, that's an interesting challenge for them is to figure out how do you get enough drivers to do it? How do you, how do you keep them? How do you keep them from jumping ship? Because we legally can go out and we can deliver for everybody if we want to. And uh, so how do you keep them loyal? So that's, that's kind of an interesting I think conundrum for them is to figure out how to make all of that work. Right. Absolutely. And um, I mean, in, in some of the companies, you know, some of these platforms, they use uh, surge pricing, much like you would see with Uber and Lyft and uh, or mm-hmm. the, the old model in um, uh, the ride sharing context. Um, some of the platforms use them. Some of the delivery platforms use them as well to try and uh, increase the supply or the, the capacity that, um, uh, that any of the restaurants can tap into to make food deliveries. Um, some of these are more effective than others, um, but uh, it, it really is an interesting um, an interesting problem because not only do um, you know, any any company that wants to that's trying to deliver food or any of the restaurants or any of the uh, the Grubhubs or the, uh, the Uber Eats platforms that, that they're competing not only with each other to try and get delivery capacity but they're also competing with delivery drivers' other interests. Like mm-hmm. at, at some point, um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough challenge to try and um, create uh, it, enough incentive for drivers to, um, you know, to, to go work for however many hours that they need to. Oh, sure. Even things like, you know, just this last weekend, uh, Valentine's Day. And it's the, you know, busiest delivery day of the year, at least according to what DoorDash has been sending out. So, mm-hmm. You know, do you go out and with your significant other or do you stay home or do you go out and deliver, you know, and uh, make some money? And so how do you make those choices? Um, big events, Super Bowl, uh, Grammy Awards, different things like that where people would rather stay home and watch or, you know, do you do that or do you go out and deliver? So, yeah, that's that's an interesting part of it that I never thought about. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's, uh, you know, from the, the, the tech platform perspective, there's also... Um, some of them will use, uh, they monitor delivery acceptance rates. Um, and I know uh, nowadays, so I actually drove for Grubhub back when I was doing my dissertation because I wanted to learn about what it was like to be a driver. Um, and at the time, uh, were you a cherry picker or did you, um, I, I took every, everything that was delivered that was okay. Yeah. Um, so it was, so at the time when I onboarded with Grubhub, the, I remember the the onboarding documentation said I had to maintain a, a delivery acceptance rate of about 75%. And that was in order to keep me in the top tier uh, of delivery offers. And uh, relatively recently, I think sometime in the last year, um, I downloaded the, uh, the new onboarding documents. And now it's up to 90%, or at least as of a year ago, up to 90%. Yeah. Um, so there's... You know, constant experimentation going on with um, how to try and uh, maintain a, 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 const- a, a relatively predictable size of delivery fleet for you know, for restaurants or for even for retailers. Yeah, and that is, I think, it is a challenge, and 
and I can I could see probably some of that challenge on their side. Now I'm it has been a long, long time since I was anywhere near that kind of acceptance rate. <laughs> and yeah, I think in my market it's eighty five percent for kind of the middle tier and ninety five percent now to be in the top tier. And and the main advantage you get out of that right now is you get first access to sign up for the schedules for schedule blocks. And you know, the challenge though for me is and I know with Grubhub, the dispatching from my perspective is horrible as far as efficiency because mm-hmm. they've gotten really bad about sending out offers. I don't mind as much the, you know, four or five dollar offers as much as long as it's somewhere that I if I can get that done quickly, that I'm fine with that. Because then I can move on to the next one and I can still make a decent amount of money. But when they send me something that I've got to drive seven miles to get to it and it's eight miles on top of it, even now when that's a fifteen or twenty dollar order all of a sudden that doesn't become that profitable. And I don't know, are you, how familiar are you guys with how they figure some of that out? Do you know, is that, is that partly trying to do timing um, so that the drivers are getting there at the right times? Or do you, do you hear anything from that side of it as far as maybe some of how they come up with how they do some of that dispatching or anything like that? Um, well, I can tell you, so I've got another research project going on with some of my colleagues up here at Ohio State, um, and we're looking at um, uh, how companies are, or how some of the tech platforms are trying to develop some of the more dynamic routing capabilities, okay. both in terms of doing um, mixed delivery fleets of both owned capacity and with crowdsourced drivers. Um, and some of the things that I've seen is that um, in that context, if, if they can offer deliveries to, or if they can make deliveries in a closer area, a closer geographical distance with their own delivery fleets, um, it's cheaper for them. But going off to, uh, you know, if there's longer distances, then it's, um, it, it makes, sometimes it, ma- it seems to make a little bit more financial sense for those companies to offer those to crowdsource drivers. Sure, sure. Um, which for the crowdsource driver, I mean, isn't necessarily... Um, if it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing if they're paying enough. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's always the big key. And, and the companies can't afford to pay too much to drivers. I mean, I think, you know, they're stressed already. I think financially, you can only charge the restaurant so much. You can only charge the customer so much. As long as there's competition, you got four major platforms and a lot of smaller ones out there. You can't really increase your prices anywhere else. So there's not a whole lot of room for them to increase what they're paying for drivers. So right. they've got to figure out other ways to incentivize. So. And, you know, and that's what we're really caring. That's one of the goals of this research is there's some existing research with kind of over the road drivers that, you know, you see a lot of hopping, you know, you have these drivers that, you know, drive the big tractor trailers and, you know, they'll hop, some of them will hop company to company for like a $5,000 bonus. And so mm-hmm. that driver retention is a really big deal. And so there's some existing research that shows, you know, yeah, price is important, but there's some other things they care about, like being able to not be just stopped, uh, you know, at a, when they're making a delivery and they're at the the gate, being able to get in and get out. Like there's some little things that you don't think about that aren't price related that actually um, increase their loyalty to a company will have them stay and retain, be retained by that company longer. And we think there's some things, and whether it's the routing and that being efficient or some other things they do within those platforms, we think there's some other uh, non-financial incentives that drivers really care about that would help these companies uh, make drivers happier with the whole process. 
Okay. Are you starting to see any trends yet, or is that too early to really be able to comment on or anything like that as far as some of the things that the drivers do seem interested in? Um, I mean, we've, we have definitely seen some uh, trends. You know, we're just starting to um, collect data. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you look at, uh, you know, what are the motivations that keep people uh, within, you know, some of the stuff you really care about, but our studies tends to be focused on what's influential and then what's a priority. And gig economy drivers definitely is, uh, care about why do they become, is, it's that what you said, the control over the schedule. Whether it's the control over the schedule, having a flexible work schedule, those are very influential and also very um, have a high priority. Uh, when you get into what would influence you to, uh, you know, start driving for different companies over others, that's when it becomes so you get them in with a flexible work schedule, but you really see then the price comes in to why they actually change, but also the things you think, but also just that consistency of work. Yeah. And I think that's getting to some of the things that you've talked about that that has a very high priority and is also extremely important, along with the dollar per mile, dollar per job, things like mm-hmm. that. But For it's sure. that consistency of work. If I get out there, I want to know that I'm going to get work consistently that is also profitable. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and I know that I um, personally, I've said this a few times, you know, in the blog and the podcast that probably about 65, 70% of what I do is with Grubhub. And, and the main reason is that consistency that, you know, okay, five to nine, especially on a Friday or Saturday, I can, I could make good money with anybody, but what happens between two in the afternoon and five, you know, when, when things are slower. And so for me, I find, you know, Grubhub being consistent that I can continue to stay pretty busy and still have profitable enough deliveries that it makes sense for me to kind of use them at least as my primary. So I think that is that that is an interesting thing. You know, if you find out that that's any other kinds of things that kind of stand out as far as you know what you're seeing so far or um, what you're learning from drivers. Um, I'm trying to look. You know, r- right now we're in kind of the initial the the initial data collection, but it's kind of also interesting to kind of see. You know, one of the things I think companies can address is you don't really think about it, but one of the things that's kind of motivating this is like these drivers are investing a lot of things too. And so I think if you can address also maybe trying to reduce those investments, it, it might not be their, um, you, you, you know, I know they're not employees, but there's probably also ways to decrease some of that startup to get drivers into this platform. And it seems like one of the things we're seeing is that increased vehicle maintenance um, has also, it's forcing a lot of drivers to have to, uh, you know, buy a new vehicle and stuff like that. So I think addressing some of those uh, asset-based questions that drivers have might actually increase the ability for them to get into this um, arena. Yeah, I think so too. I want to get your perspective on this because that I think that's an issue that I think what you're looking at, you know, and, and, and the challenges that they're looking at as far as getting people engaged do you see that as starting to cause a problem fundamentally for these companies? If they can't get enough people or if they can't get enough drivers to accept the offers, are you starting to see signs of that uh, really becoming a, uh, a more critical issue for them as far as their business? Well, um, I, th- I think that's, I think the jury's still out. 
because um, for the, you know, I, I, I browse a whole lot of the, uh, the online forums for where um, uh, different crowdsource drivers um, come together, whether it's uh, the forums on the subreddits on Reddit or Uber people or Facebook. Um, there's a whole lot of groups where people come together to talk about issues. And I, I get the sense, and especially in urban markets, uh, the highly dense areas, the LA's, the New York's, the Chicago's, um, I get the sense that there's, uh, there's not as much of an issue for the tech platforms in those markets in terms of trying to get enough people to drive. Um, but if you go into the more rural areas or, um, uh, cities where, um, like take Oklahoma city, for example, uh, even though it's in the name, it's by definition, by the U S census bureau's definition, it's rural. It's got less than a thousand people per square mile. Um, and so in, in places like Oklahoma city, there is a little bit more uh, of a question about whether or not there's enough drivers, um, that are available. And of that essentially limited supply of drivers, they've potentially got a number of platforms that they can drive for, whether it's Grubhub versus, Postmates or DoorDash. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only can they switch between delivery platforms, but you know drivers have the option of switching between uh, services. They can do the rideshare services or they can do the delivery services. But uh, I would say that I think we still need to do a little bit more, a little bit more research to be able to answer that question definitively. Sure. Um, yeah. That's interesting. I'm wondering. My observation has been, you know, I've been watching kind of the industry as a whole. And when I started out two years ago, you know, Grubhub was the very clear king of the mountain. And, uh, you know, since then, DoorDash has pretty well shot past them. I'm seeing some reports now that Uber Eats has passed them up. I, you know, I'm not sure how good those are, but all of a sudden to go from first to third. And uh, my observation has been that it's been probably more of a customer service, customer retention thing than anything else. I think Grubhub has still been probably the best as far as marketing and getting new people in and everything like that. Now they haven't expanded to as many markets as DoorDash and that's part of the change. But I think the other side of it is that they've, I think had a harder time getting their deliveries accepted and had a harder time. I see more complaints on Twitter um, people complaining to Grubhub than I do for anybody else. And partly because, you know, the orders have been sitting around forever or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Have, have you seen anything like that? Does that sound like that's part of kind of the issue there for them? Is it uh, not getting enough drivers? Is it not getting drivers to accept enough deliveries? Um, you know, I see, I see a lot of the same um, stuff on Twitter. You know, I, I think back to when I was actually, when I actually experienced what life was like as uh, a Grubhub driver um, there were a couple of instances where I got offered a delivery, and by the time I actually received it, the actual scheduled delivery time was about 10 minutes prior. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I do think that there, and this was in Knoxville, Tennessee, um, so I, I would imagine, and this was in 2017, so I would say that um, Grubhub ha- hadn't really taken hold yet. So at that time, it was probably just a, a, f- a function of trying to get enough drivers um, yeah. that are available. And that comes back to the recruiting, um, the recruiting techniques that the Grubhubs of the world employ, um, and the advertising. But now I think that um, uh, so. Well, I mean, going back to your question, yeah, I think to an extent we do see. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to answer this, or what it is I'm trying to say here. So, 
okay, so you asked again about, let me, uh, let me think a lot. probably asked about four different questions at one time Mm -hmm. too or something. So that didn't make it easier. Yeah. Okay. So, um, okay. So your question again was, um, do we see any issues related to delivery acceptance rates? As far as maybe either acceptance rates or just an inability to fulfill their orders or fulfill them in a timely manner, either related to acceptance rates or getting enough drivers. And is that going to create maybe kind of a critical mass to where, you know, that could make or break the survival of any of these companies or something? It does happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Meaning there are, it's, it's hard to say that if the, the late deliveries, the quality, the customer service related aspects of the delivery, the service quality, it's hard to say how pervasive that is just yet. And it's hard to, to say, and it's hard to attribute any late deliveries to any one thing yet. You know, I haven't been able to really dive in with, you know, with any one of these companies. I mean, I've reached out to a number of them to try to see if they'd be willing to do any research studies. Still waiting for replies to some of my emails. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so it's, it's hard to see exactly from their perspective what's going on. Sure. Uh, but I mean, it does seem like the most likely candidate could be that there just aren't enough drivers available, especially in some of the less populated markets. I see. And it seems to me kind of like this, you know, right now they've got this musical chair customer deal going on. <coughs> so people get fed up with Grubhub and they head out the back door. And so they're going to try out DoorDash and they're real happy because their next delivery was good. And then all of a sudden DoorDash slows down. I think after DoorDash was kind of forced into changing their pay model to where they couldn't subsidize those orders that didn't tip as well they're struggling a little more with acceptance rates now. And so now DoorDash is having trouble with customers not being happy. I think they actually had a higher satisfaction rate, but I don't know if I have the actual data to say for sure if they did or not uh, prior to that pay model change. But then the customers kind of move around and after some point, they get to a point where they're like, none of these guys are any good and we're done, we're done with delivery or something like that. And uh, that's the part that I wonder if that doesn't end up happening eventually, because if you can't control the product as far as the delivery, can you, can you deliver well enough to keep the customers happy for long enough? Um, so let's, let's talk just a little bit, I guess, about your, your survey. I actually went through and I took the survey and, uh, you know, so you had a, you know, good series of questions that are very well involved, but, uh, maybe just talk to us a little bit about just, you know, what kind of things you're asking for in the survey itself and, um, and, and how can we help, uh, get people out to, to help you with that survey? Sure. So it's, uh, the survey is basically, it'll, it asks a little bit of background about each driver. Uh, you know, about platforms they've driven for, how long they've done it, so on, kind of more ba- just background, uh, what they've had to invest, how long they've just basic demographics. Um, but then it really gets into, you know, why are you a delivery driver? We want to understand, like, what you care about, why why you entered this. So the entry part that you were speaking of a second ago. Mm-hmm. And then once you're kind of into the ecosystem, uh, you know, we are trying to get kind of experience with multiple companies, and then we can actually look at what it what are the strategies for different companies and try to, try to triangulate kind of what's working, what's not. But um, more importantly, we're really looking at, you know, when you started the last app you started driving for, why did you change? You know, and we're, we're starting to see stuff like even a little differentiation between not only did maybe there was a little higher pay, but that app was able to provide some type of flexibility that they didn't have before or 
and more importantly, they differentiated the pay from that tipping you were speaking about a second right. ago. You know, that was important to them, not just the pay itself, but that ability for them. If they did a good job, they could differentiate themselves to that customer, maybe, or something like that. Um, and we're starting to see that. And then specific to the switching, you know, and Vince started talking about a second ago that parcel versus ride share, you know, and I, I think that's an interesting area. And we're really trying to see if you're a parcel delivery driver, what would make you switch to ride share? If you're ride share, what would make you switch to the delivery part? Because they're similar, but they're different. And I think people get into them for different reasons. So we want to understand, you know, if I could maybe pirate a little from the other side, how, how do I do that? Um, and so we're really clean that. And so that's kind of, it takes about five minutes um, yeah, it was an easy do, survey to go through. So. Yeah, it's very easy. We're using um, a platform called Servature uh, that is really good and that it's really fast and collects some good data from us. So, um, you know, it's not involved. It's not going to take you a long time ago, but we get some good information that I think is going to actually be beneficial for drivers in the end. Because uh, what's going to hopefully as we disseminate this research, um, you know, the, it helps drivers because companies are actually going to understand what drivers care about. I mean, build. Uh, Bill, did I explain the background well enough, or is there anything I missed? <laughs> you were just cutting out. I was going to say I heard my name, and then yeah. no, I say, did, I, did I miss anything on the uh, explaining kind of the intent of the survey and what we hope to do ultimately with the results of the survey? No, I think you did a pretty good job. Again, there's a couple of pieces we're looking at. One is that ride share versus parcel, but the other kind of separation is, and this goes back to some of what you talked about, Ron, with Grubhub started off really strong and now they're number three. It may not be that the issue is getting people to drive for the platform. That's part of what we're trying to get at. What are you investing to become a delivery driver? Why did you do it? But Grubhub led the way in some ways and got an early start, but being a tech company and a platform, it's much easier for somebody to say, well, Grubhub got me into this and I've made the investment. Now, who's going to offer me the best thing? And that's where that switching comes into play. And so that might be part of, part of the issue. It's not just how do you get someone on your platform? How do you get them to stay? Yeah. Or for a driver, why do I want to switch from one to the other? And so we're trying to get at really those two pieces, the what are you going to drive, people or parcels, and what got you into it and what keeps you where you're at. No, and that's good. I think that's, uh, there's a lot of us here that you can kind of, we can make our voices known a little bit. And, uh, and, and sometimes I think by making your voice known, you, you, it, it's an opportunity, I think, to one voice, maybe some of those concerns that maybe right now, if you don't feel like these companies are listening at all, I think, you know, through a survey like this, um, folks, when you can answer some of these questions and talk about the things that keep you, that maybe somewhere along the lines, one of these guys is going to listen to uh, the results of the survey or something like that. So that's that's always a good thing. But I think it is. It's just, you know, we, we've got so many backgrounds. We've got, you know, people like myself that do it full-time or close to full-time. You get a lot of people that do it as a side hustle. Uh, there's times I've wondered, should I maybe start driving people around? And there's other times I'm like, no, I don't want anybody puking in my car. <laughs> but uh, So, yeah, I think, you know, that's that's got to be fascinating for these companies to try and figure out how do you get these people to come in or anything like that? And how do you get them to do all this stuff? 
that is definitely our intent that we hope to um, address with this research is, you know, understanding better how we can uh, design these platforms to more align with the motivations of what the drivers care about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and folks, I'll have a uh, link in uh, the description here and in the show notes or, and uh, I always do like an associated page that has the, the uh, you know, transcript or at least an overview of what we talked about on that. And so we'll have a link there as well. So we'll put it all over the place, places you can go and take the survey and uh, help, you know, help these guys out. And um, anything else anybody wants to add or any other thoughts that anybody has as far as all this goes? We, we just appreciate you reaching out. You know, this oh, yeah. has been just as informative for us as it has been hopefully, you know, uh, for you guys. We really want this research to be beneficial, not just, you know, academic, but have practical implications. Yeah. So um, the more that we integrate and uh, learn uh, from people actually doing this, you know, the better our research is. So we really appreciate you reaching out and taking oh, the time. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate you guys coming on. You know, Lance, you told me yesterday about uh, Vince and that, uh, um, you know, in this um, background in logistics. And as soon as I heard that word logistic, my ears perked up and uh, I worried the whole time that I'd get off into a rabbit chase. And I probably have a couple of times gone down some kind of rabbit hole or something. Cause I, it's, it's an interesting thing to me to figure out how do they get everything done that they want to do when they can't control the drivers. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there a point where they can't, we could probably go on and on and on about all that stuff. <laughs> Right. Keep you guys uh, longer than you want to be on here. That, that'll be the next episode. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That, no, that would be, a, I think it'd be an interesting discussion right there as far as how to make that work in an independent contractor environment. And is there a point where it makes more sense for one of these companies to go with employees? I don't know. That would be interesting. Well, folks, thank you again. Uh, anybody else got anything you want to kind of say, is, you know, finishing off or anything like that? Any final thoughts from anybody? Yeah. Uh, thanks for taking the time to chat with us and we appreciate you reaching out, Ron. Yeah. Thank you guys. And uh, you guys take care and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing how everything comes out together for you guys on this uh, survey. So we'll get the word out and see if we, uh, we can get as many people as possible to uh, sign up here on that or, you know, and, and, uh, and make your voices heard folks. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ron. Thank you. Well, what do you think Courier Nation? You know, like I said, this was a fascinating conversation for me, and I really want to thank Lance and Vince and Bill for coming on and, and talking with us about some of the stuff that they're looking into and um, kind of hoping maybe we might have some opportunity to talk some more or something later on down the line. But now let me ask you this question. What kind of things keep you interested in delivering for any of the platforms that you work, you know, is, is there a platform that you deliver for more than anybody else and why? And, um, what is it that would make you jump ship? What is it that would make you feel more loyal? What, what is it that makes you feel less loyal that, uh, you know, any, any of those things, I would love to hear from you as far as what kind of things are important to you. What kind of things could a company do that, would get your attention a little bit more. And I won't get into my own thoughts on this right now because we've already gone long enough here. At some point, maybe I'll kind of, you know, write something or uh, do something as a follow-up on the podcast or something to talk about some of my own thoughts as far as what would make a difference. But I would really love to hear from you as far as those kinds of things, you know, what is it that makes a difference to you as to which platforms you decide to work? And especially, are there certain things that are not tied to money? that make you more interested in delivering for one platform over another. 
Folks, I want to thank you for joining us again, and especially if you've listened all the way through this. And folks, let me ask you this question. Is the information that is on this podcast or on a website or any of the stuff that we're doing with the Entree Courier, is that helpful to you? Is it making a difference to you? Is it helping you run your delivery business? Because if it is, I would like to ask if you could just share and let people know about us, help them find us, because if we can be found, we can help more people to take control of their businesses and take control of their lives. Folks, one last thing that I do ask of you is that as you go today, never forget to do exactly that. Take control. You can control so much. So take control of your life, your business, of everything. Go out there today, folks, and be the boss.